and welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. So glad to have you with me here on Colin. And then for those of you who listen to it elsewhere, wherever you're listening, it's going to be a fun show today because my guest has written a really insightful, laugh out loud, funny book. It's called The Little Book of Irishisms. Know the Irish Through Our Words. And the author is Denise Deegan. She is also known as Amy Alexander. Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show, Denise. Thanks so much, Pauline. It's great to be here. So how would you let, should you be Denise today or Amy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I have a pen name, which is a combination of my children's names, Amy and Alexander. So it's Amy Alexander. Oh, that's lovely. So what inspired you to write this book? So I was I was in the States. Um, I was at a conference and I was sharing a room with a friend of mine and we were chatting away and she's American. And I just said something to her. And you know the way when you're with a friend, you feel you can say anything. But sure. <laughs> I said to her, here, give me that yoke. And she looked at me <laughs> and she, you know, she looked at me as if to say, what yoke, what egg, you know, because in Ireland, we use the word yoke to mean thing. And sure. she obviously had a clue what I was talking about. And I just thought that was hilarious. And I sort of didn't think too much about it. But it was the very beginning of the idea um, that I, I would start collecting, uh, you know, Irishisms, expressions that we use and uh, with no actual definitive purpose in mind but then when I had enough of them together I started sharing them with my readers so I'm a novelist Mm -hmm. and um, I email my readers every so often through a newsletter and I just put at at the end of a newsletter I would start putting just an Irishism people really responded really well they loved them and then I thought gosh I should put them all together um so that's where the idea came from. And, and you put them all together in this book. And part of the delight yeah. of the book is your daughter illustrated it. Yes, Amy did. And it was really magical because she's um, she's a very artistic person, but she doesn't do art. She's She, she trained to be an engineer, actually. Hmm. And she does these really quirky cartoons. And she always has. And they're just so wonderful. And finally, you know, there's an outlet for them. Hmm. And um, so... Something that I really that really thrilled me, and uh, also just that we got to work together, which was yeah. really special. Well, it it you know the book is very whimsical, and this gives it just an extra layer yes. of whimsy. And I, I love the fact you start the book as one would start a conversation. And when I was reading all of the ways somebody would respond to the simple question, how are you? It, it it made me think of the difference between the Irish and the Americans, because in the United States, when somebody asks, how are you? They don't really want to know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they really are asking in the hopes that you're going to say, oh, everything's peachy keen. And then you can get on to something else. But it seems to be a different reasoning in, in Ireland, I thought. Well, that's it. That's really interesting. Um, so I'm just saying that when um, when you ask an Irish person how they are, the most important thing to do is listen to the tone of their voice rather hmm. than the words that they're using. Because very often we'll say something like, not too bad. 
And that mm-hmm. can be, that sounds terrible to an American, but to an Irish person, that's, that's almost good. I'm not too right. bad. Yeah. So, so we're a very strange way of responding to how are you? You know, it's, um, let's see, what else could we say? Well, you, you um, also give a lot of negative phrases that well, we people do say, you know, yeah. that I'm doing terribly, basically, but said in a much more charming Irish way. Yeah, I mean, we're we're always, um, there's one word we use all the time, and I think it's really, really Irish. It's the word grand. Hmm. And our interpretation of grand is very negative. So if somebody asks you how you're doing, ah, yeah, I'm grand. It just means okay. Whereas hmm. an English person using the word grand is it's the opposite. It's great. Right, so, right. Yeah, so we're, we're a bit strange yeah uh, so <laughs> so like you could you could say for instance if if an, if an Irish person doesn't want to doesn't want to be negative but they're not great mm-hmm. they'll say something like ah sure you know yourself it's hmm. like we, let's not talk about it but you know you know from what I'm saying that I'm that, that I'm not great right well yeah. you, you also go into some of the quirks of the language and how people speak like they'll they'll repeat things for emphasis, like at all, at all. And yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought to my mind that was, you know, the Irish are known as great storytellers and they are great storytellers. And I wonder if some of these quirks of language have something to do with that. Because here in the United States, as you're thinking, you usually say something dull like, um, but you have things that are built into the language that allow the mind to catch catch up with with the mouth my goodness that's that's a really interesting way of interpreting it i think that's really really interesting because something that happened in our history and i'm always thinking historically when i think mm-hmm. of of why things are or why people do things um and long ago as you know we were ruled by england sure and they brought in these laws called the penal laws and one of the, they were really cruel we couldn't we couldn't um own our own land couldn't have a proper job or a career and we couldn't send our children to school and so what we did was Irish people are very sort of nicely quietly subversive so hmm. we ran our schools in the fields and they were called the hedge schools oh. uh, yeah and so we passed down all our Irish stories verbally hmm. so so that's a huge reason why we are very verbal and we're, you know, we are storytellers. And I think there's something very comforting in story as well. And we've had our own dark history. But I think sure. that's a really interesting interpretation of the pauses in conversation, how we fill them compared to how you fill them. Um, and I have a section in the book, which it's a bit tongue in cheek. It's kind of if you want to sound Irish you know, yes. use, use words <laughs> this way. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you if you don't want to be an a fierce Egypt, uh, and uh, pretend you're sounding Irish. I love this because this is something American tourists would do. What are the phrases and words to never use in Ireland? Because you're just going to sound like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, and there's so many of them. Um, one of them is Bagara. <laughs> like nobody so says Bagara. Nobody no says. Did anybody no ever say it? I don't think so. I think I don't. <laughs> it seems to me that it came from, you know, long ago um, in America when when they started using Ireland in stories, it was very much it was very twee and it was as if we were all leprechauns. And, and so they'd use words like Bagara or 
top of the morning. And right. they'd say it in that sort of accent that I just used there, which is not an Irish accent. It's like an American Irish accent. It's mm-hmm. like how Hollywood, I mean, Hollywood has improved and it's got better. Um, but uh, they used to do, I mean, they represent on the whole Irish people as we are now. But um, but not uh, for a long time. Not but but long, long ago, we, 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 they would say things like top of the morning to you and may the road rise with you or to meet you. And like, we don't say that. I mean, that is a, that is actually an expression that came from the Irish language. Hmm. Um, but we, it's never said in English. And huh. it just sort of means, you know, good luck or have a good trip. Um, right. But another thing that we don't do is we don't call the Irish language Gaelic. That's a mistake I've made. Yes. Why is that? Is Gaelic not the correct term for it or it's just not used? It's just not used. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it is a Gaelic language. You know, there there are a few Gaelic languages. You know, you've got Scottish, you've got Scottish and you've Welsh. And um, so it's one of the Gaelic languages. But we, we as Irish people just call it Irish. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you do want to sound Irish, you give some good tips on how to do that. And they involve the word fierce. They involve uh, substitutions where you would say, really? Can you talk us through that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So so one of the things, instead of using very, you could say fierce. Um, you, you earlier mentioned he's a fierce Egypt. Um, right. And an Egypt is an idiot, and it's so so commonly used in Ireland, and um, that's a really good one to learn. So he's a fierce Egypt. And then, if you wanted to really emphasize that, you'd say he's a fierce Egypt altogether. Hmm. Um, yeah, and and you also mentioned things like I am, so I am. It's kind of like we're big on emphasis. So yeah. you'd say something like, Oh, you know, I'm I'm tired. I am, so I am. Or the other thing that we do is we we use verbs very much in the ongoing um, tense. So it's kind of like, I'm going to go. Or what would you be wanting? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, what else do we do? We, then we have these words that just you can throw in at the start of the sentence that mean absolutely nothing. Like there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's one called Yira. Why you're a Yira. You're where would you be? It means absolutely nothing. Huh. Or the other one we use as well is sure, sure look it. Or one of the expressions we use a lot is sure look, sure listen. That's if you're if you're in a, if you're in the middle of a conversation and let's say it's maybe turning into sort of an argument or it's getting a little bit tense and you don't know what to say, but you can kind of feel you have to say something. Right. You'd say sure look, sure listen. Huh. Interesting. There were yeah. also some, some words in there. So that's a word I'd never would have heard. And then there were some others that just blew my mind. Uh, fooster. Oh, I love that word. <laughs> what yes, does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, to me, it's really descriptive. It's like if you can just imagine someone rushing out of the house and they can't find their keys and they, they're looking in, they're looking for the keys and they're, they're kind of agitated at the same time. That's foostering. Hmm. Okay. Let me give you another one. Yeah. Yeah. A nixer. Nixer. A nixer. Yeah. So a nixer is, um, 
So let's say you're you're taking unemployment benefit or something like that. Um, so you're, we call it the dole. So you're not working, but you're getting some sort of you know payment. Then you you're not supposed to work. But mm. a nixer is something that you'd have a job on the side. So you do something and you'd get cash under the table for that. That's a nixer. That's a, do you have any idea where that came from? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such an N-I-X-E-R. Yeah. And then a very common one uh, that uh, Americans always get wrong, crack, which is spelled <gasps> C-R-A-I-C. Yes. So crack to me is hilarious because in America, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's a drug. Right. An illegal substance. Yeah. So, so an American landing in Ireland could very, very easily meet an Irish person who goes, any crack? <laughs> and any crack just means have you any news? Hmm. So, so it also, crack also means kind of fun. Like we had hmm. great crack. So, so an American would easily interpret, my God, like they're they're admitting that they're on drugs, so, but that's not what we mean at all. Like, and and crack is, is hugely hugely used in Ireland because it's something that we love. We love news and scandal, and we love fun. So it's it's really really commonly used one. I love it too. Right? Yeah. No, that's great. And speaking of loving fun, I don't <laughs> want to get too. Uh, what's the word, uh, cliched about Ireland, mm-hmm. but a lot of the phrases in the book surround drinking and being oh, drunk. <laughs> so like mortaler, am I saying that right? What What okay. is that? Or he's going balubas. Okay, so a mortaler isn't, isn't to do with drink. A mortaler is like, it comes from the word mortal, as in a mortal sin. Oh. So, yeah, so... Yeah, I didn't. I, you might have just got confused there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, so we've loads of dro- loads and loads of words for drunk. We've got mouldy, which is kind of like mouldy. Um, <laughs> so, like a bread, like a piece of bread that you yeah. leave out too long that gets mouldy. That's also yeah. drunk. Hilarious. Yeah, pickled. Mm-hmm. Uh, plastered. Polluted. Have, have you plastered? We have plastered yeah. and pickled too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, this one you don't have because it's rude and it's from Cork and it's langered. Langered. Um, Why is it yeah. rude? Because oh, it means something rude. <laughs> it means a, yeah, a, a male, a male part of the body. Oh. Um, yeah. Hammered, half mm-hmm. cut, gone, flutered, balubas. Yeah. Yeah, Balubas came from, Balubas has kind of got a sad um, uh, origin. Um, it, so Balubas kind of means going going a bit mad. Um, and it came from um, a tragedy that happened in, so Ireland has been for a long time involved with United Nations Peacekeeping Force. Mm-hmm. And they were in Africa in a place called Baluba and they were attacked and killed. Um, so, Ooh. yeah, so that kind of had a bit of a, yeah, a that's origin, a, that word. Yeah, that's yeah. a strange origin for that. Isn't it? Yeah. And then you also talk about some of the uh, phrases. Uh, I just wrote down a couple that I, I loved. I'm up the duff. I told oh, yeah, that to pregnant. my husband. <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> that's hilarious. And uh, let me see. I ate the head off him. Oh, yes. That's, that's, what, that's an expression that you mightn't even 
understand if I explain it to you using an expression, you might not even understand the ex- expression I'm using to explain it, which is giving out. Have you heard of giving out? So in Ireland, if you're giving out to someone is you're getting cross with them, mm. you're telling them off. Right. So, yeah, so at the head of them is that, that you're doing that, you're telling them off, but really angrily. Right, right. You're giving a piece of your mind. Yeah. And then you have some words that mean things in, 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 that in other contexts, but the Irish use differently, like lash. Not, not like eyelash, yeah. but just lash. What does that mean? So that has a few meanings. So a guy could be a lash. That's a really good looking guy. Hmm. That's slang, obviously. And then it could be lashing rain. Um, right. So, it's, yeah. So, so it's kind of used. It, it depends on the use of the word. Um, yeah. And there's another word that we use an awful lot. Um, and it's it's bold. And it means and our, our most common use for bold in Ireland is a person who's being naughty, like a kid. Oh, that's really bold. Or, you know, we'd say something like, oh, that's bold as brass. It's just an expression. So, right. yeah. So, um, so you have loads of words like that, that we have our own sort of interpretation of. Them. I feel like I'm giving you a quiz, but just, just one more. Oh, no, I'm enjoying it. It's making me, <laughs> it's making me remember all our words that we use. Because we just, we just use them casually sure. and don't even think about them. So it's actually kind of nice to be questioned about them. Well, one of them I want to try and fit <laughs> into conversation Spondulix. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's money. Money. Spondulix. Yeah. I know. Wow. Do you, you, and you have no idea where that came from. That's an odd I one. don't know about Spondulix. I do know smithereens. Have you heard? Do you use smithereens? That like came from the Irish language. Smashed to smithereens, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that comes from the Irish language. So because smithereens are little pieces. So that oh. came from the Irish language. Oh. A lot of the words come from, from the Irish language. So we have this word that I absolutely love called bockety. And and bockety would be, you'd use that word to describe something like, you know, when you're in a restaurant and the table is kind of wobbly because one leg is a tiny bit shorter. Mm-hmm. That would be bockety. But it comes from the Irish word bockock, which means lame. Oh, interesting. Wow, bockety. Mm. And I it's a perfect, it, yeah. yeah, it's a perfect word for the, the, the leg not fitting too. That's yeah. amazing. It's quite onomatopoeic. And then you get a little bit into history when you talk about Irish obsessions. One, one made me laugh, keeping doors closed. Why are they obsessed? Why are your people obsessed with keeping doors closed? I, I kind of had to just think about that myself and come up with my own theory um but when i was growing up um you just were not allowed to leave a door open there was this sense that you know that people would be on edge if it was open and Mm. so a common common expression a really common expression by sort of irish parents would have been um were you born in a field right you know, just like literally close the door. So you know, my, I kind of joke about the fact that, you, you know, um, is it because Ireland is draftier? And I'm thinking, yeah, probably. Is it because it's colder? Yeah, probably. Because mm. our weather is just so terrible. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, I think it's just something that's been passed down. Yeah, We're just absolutely. uncomfortable if the door of a room is open and we just, we can't settle down until it's closed. It made me think 
I mean, as you said at the beginning, uh, Ireland was subjugated for so long. Maybe by keeping the door open, an enemy can come in more easily. Yeah, or or if you're if you're planning some sort of rebellion, you don't want anybody <laughs> to find that. Right, right, and we're and always then, planning rebellion. Yeah, and you also talk about the fact that uh, the, there's an obsession with the weather. That seems obvious mm. because you never know what it's going to be in Ireland. And also, in other countries, it's not such a big deal to rent. A lot of people never own land. But that's a national obsession in Ireland. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So so I believe it goes back to um, the fact that, um, do you remember I was saying to you about these penal laws? Mm-hmm. that um, So they were brought in and we couldn't own land. So And we couldn't have our own jobs or careers and we couldn't run our own businesses. So we had to work for the English landlords. So we on tiny little plots of land. And so we had to, you know, subsist on this. And the most healthy and our nutritious food that we could grow on the land were potatoes. So everybody grew potatoes. And when the famine came or the blight came right. and destroyed all the potatoes, Irish people had nothing to eat. Mm. And so... I think we're obsessed with owning our own homes because of a sense of security. Um, so um, I just feel that if you, if we're, if we don't, like there's a very famous film called The Field. I don't know if you've ever no, um, I've never seen, seen it. it. Yeah, so it's, it's about our obsession with owning land because then we have control over our lives. So most people try, although at the moment in Ireland we have a housing crisis. So um, <laughs> unfortunately, it's very hard to own your own home mm. at the moment. Well, for young people starting off, but everybody wants to, you know. We, we have one too in the United States. I was just learning about this the other day. There are 7 million fewer a low income housing uh, units than we need. And so oh we, we literally have people on the streets because there oh. just isn't enough housing. What is yeah. it based on in Ireland? So, so the property is very expensive. And then rental property is also really expensive and there isn't enough of it. Hmm. Um, so all the prices are really expensive. So, um, so yeah, you're right. We also have a homeless problem. Hmm. Um, and I've, I've literally just, um, so I just, I start writing screenplays. I've just written a screenplay for um, a short film about this. Hmm. And um, so it, I've just heard last weekend it's going to be made. So I'm kind of delighted about oh, that. Because congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's just something I feel really strongly about. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of thrilled about that. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy to to end up in that situation. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like if, if, for instance, a landlord in Ireland decides he wants to refurbish, uh, then the tenant has to leave. So then they have to find a deposit for a new place. Um, So it could be a thousand euro. Hmm. Um, And and then there's there's very little rental accommodation available. So. A lot of people couch surfing, you know, that I don't yeah. like that expression because it makes it sound like fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, I will say thank you so much, Denise. It was a delight uh, speaking with you once again. Uh, 
Denise is the author of a really charming new book, and, and, and actually very insightful, too. Not just charming, really fun and interesting, called The Little Book of Irishisms. Thank you so much, Denise, for appearing here on the Fromer Travel Show. Thanks so much, Pauline. It was such a treat, and I loved your interpretation of everything. It was really oh. interesting. Oh, yeah, thank really you. interesting. <laughs> well, thanks. And I thought now I would go into just a little bit of, of uh, what we're seeing here in the world of travel uh, for those who want to hit the road soon. We had two articles up on Fromers.com that I think will be of use to a lot of travelers. First of all, there's an organization called Hopper. They are a price uh, – they, they, they what's the word? They look at prices and predict where they're going. They have an excellent track record, and they think that from now until June, every month for those next months, prices are going to rise 7%. Now, that may not seem like much, but in a normal year, prices rise 2%. Prices for international airfares right now, because of Omicron, are at their lowest point historically, but that is not going to last. They're going to go up and up and up. And I had a long talk with an economist who works for Hopper uh, to find out what his advice was. Does that mean you buy now for the summer? He didn't think so because he uh, said that, and and this is true, uh, the airlines only sell the lowest price seats when they know how a an airplane or a journey, a flight will be selling. So they're not going to release really cheap tickets six months in advance because they don't yet know how much they should be pricing that flight at. But so he was saying, don't buy now. I'm not sure if I fully believe that though. If prices are going up 7% per month, What's the worst that could happen if you book now? You book a flight now, and then if the price drops, if you see a price that's better, you simply cancel your flight. You get a credit to use later, and you get the ticket at a lower price. But with the way we think prices are going to be rising, I think that might be a smarter strategy uh, than waiting right now. Uh, you know, it's half a dozen of one, and you do have to be careful about tracking the flight. But that might be the way to do it if you really need to save money. And who doesn't nowadays? Uh, we also had a very popular article up on the site on the 10 worst airports in the U.S. This is an article that we actually did about three years ago, uh, and we just updated it. And interestingly, in updating it, we took some airports off the list. Fort Lauderdale had been undergoing this endless construction that made uh, passenger travel through that hub really, really not too much fun. Uh, that is done. And people are saying Fort Lauderdale is absolutely fine to travel through. One of the airports that had been on these worst lists for perhaps decades, JFK in New York, also came off the list. They have done some really nice construction. The terminals look much better than they used to. But more importantly, they've somehow gotten their problems with flights being delayed and canceled. If not fixed, they've improved. 
They've improved markedly. So who is on the list? Well, the very worst airport uh, in the United States, to nobody's surprise, is Newark. Yes, some of it has been upgraded. Some of it looks better now. But one out of every four flights is either delayed or canceled there. They have the worst track record in the nation. So I'm hoping people will use this list and and realize, okay, if I have a choice between JFK and Newark, I'm going to New York City. They're both somewhat equidistant from the city. I'm going to go to JFK right now because who wants that hassle? Who wants that uncertainty? Second worst is LaGuardia. LaGuardia is also a place that has done a lot of construction work. So it has much better looking areas. It still has some really awful looking areas now. And they are just behind Newark in terms of their delays. Third worst in the nation, Dallas-Fort Worth. They now are being delayed all the time. And they're having a huge staffing crisis at the airport, which means... You're going to wait in line for 40 minutes if you want to get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. You're going to wait in line to get through security to pick up your luggage. Everything is slow there. The same with Denver International Airport. It's a beautiful airport, although if if you've ever flown into it, you know it's probably the bumpiest takeoff and landing in the USA. Uh, So that can be rough. Uh, But... um, it's it's a great place. Uh, uh, it's not a great place to go into because of construction. Uh, they are having major construction there. It's like a maze getting through it. It's forced the TSA to kind of squinch their lines and made TSA lines very long. But the TSA has also said to the press one of the problems with uh, Denver is too many people are trying to bring guns on board planes. And so that also is really slowing down the lines at Denver. I see we have a call. So let, why don't I take the call from Elizabeth? Elizabeth, you're going to have to unmute yourself uh, if you'd like to talk. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for talk. Thanks for uh, joining us. Are you there, Elizabeth? Mm, for some reason, I can't hear Elizabeth. Oh, well. Uh, so I was going to say goodbye anyway. Uh, I invite you to visit us at fromers.com. You can read this article. I invite you to come visit us at Colin. Uh, I'm doing this show live uh, every Thursday at 6 for the most part, there. And then you can also, as you know, listen to it elsewhere. But it's fun to join the conversation. We're going to get that tech together. (laughs) That's going to happen soon, I promise. So let me say to anybody who is traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage, and I'll see you next week. Watching cable